This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our August, not August, July, July 16th. 2018 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and for those of you who are ready to improve your investing and money management skills, you've come to the right place. You can listen and learn here on Invest Talk, and uh, KP Financial has been doing this program for more than 20 years. We've been in business for 25 years, and your questions are part of why it works so well. We love getting feedback, hearing what you have to say, and trying to target our message, target the things that you want to hear about, uh, give you the answers and the information that you want to know. So please feel free to give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. You can always call us live, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or even if you're listening after hours, you can call that number, leave a message, and we will answer it on an upcoming show. So... Please also tell your friends about our platform. Uh, if you're listening on podcasts, go review uh, us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc. If you're listening on radio in the Bay Area, you can always subscribe to our podcast as well on those platforms. Uh, and always, you can catch us on investtalk.com. So our commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor and hopefully people you know as well. So hopefully you can spread the word. Now there's a lot of news today and I'll touch on several subjects uh, of interest before the hour is over and I'm going to discuss how to become debt free. Yes, in the next five minutes or so I'll give you five tips that will allow you to get started on the important job of tackling your debt. Uh, or even if you don't have debt, I'm sure there are uh, friends, family that may come to you, may turn to you, uh, and they're going to recognize that you're debt-free, and this will hopefully give you maybe a guide path to push them uh, to, the, to the right tactics to reduce uh, their debt over time. But first, let's get to our Monday questions to kick off the week. Now, this call came in earlier on our Anytime Listener line. Like I said before, as always, that number is 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. It's Brian from Brooklyn, second-time caller. I'm 23. Uh, love listening to your podcast. I have a question. I know you like uh, the questions. It's going to sound a little bit immature, but I want all the answers, so I'm going to ask it anyways. And the question is, if I have around $25,000 in savings, I'm married, I have a salary of, of about sixty, a little over $60,000 a year, hopefully growing, my question is as simple as this. I want to be rich in the long term. How do I turn this money into real wealth in the future? I don't want to take the risk to, that I'm going to lose it, but I want to be able to set myself up in a way that I can invest it in something that I actually own, you know, something like real estate or something that in the long run, I'd be able to just sit and in the future own real estate that I could see just you know, get paid a return on it. You know, something secure, but I just, I want to be rich in the future. And, you know, this is where I'm at right now. And I want to know the best way to do that. You know, what, you know, if it's through stocks, bonds, or, you know, splitting it in different ways, I don't know how to do it. Also, maybe it's not enough money to, to do anything yet. And what I've been doing now is I've just been sitting on it, you know, 
quote unquote under my mattress. So that's my question. You know, I have put like a thousand dollars in stocks just for fun, you know, to learn some different things. So I wanted to hear what you had to say about that. Thank you. All right, uh, great question. A little long-winded, but I like that. I like uh, that you're how you have a long-term view. Uh, you have long-term goals, uh, and that's where everyone needs to start. Uh, now you're 23. You have about $25,000 saved, and to be frank, that's pretty good uh, for a 23-year-old. Uh, so uh, to start, I would say, you know, you're focusing on investing, uh, and investing is certain import certainly important. Uh, we talk about it every day on Invest Talk. But you actually have started to tackle the number one issue most people have, and that is saving. Saving is number one. That is the number one way anybody will build wealth over time, is to consistently save money. That's why most people amass their, most of their wealth through 401ks, uh, 503bs, or 403bs, uh, you know, different types of savings plans that are automatic because the savings kind of takes care of itself. So that's number one. You need to continue to save and continue with that habit. Number two, uh, you're in a relatively low tax bracket. Sounds like sixty thousand a year. Certainly not the highest tax bracket. You probably want to you want to lock that in. So you want to take that twenty five thousand, max out a Roth IRA or a Roth four hundred one k if that's an option at your work, and continue to save as long as you're in a lower tax bracket. Get that money into a Roth IRA. And then when it comes to investing, sure, there's there's ways to get wealthy, and that's uh, through there. There's plenty of that got it, gotten it through real estate. Uh, uh, but a long term, cash will uh, compound the best long term in the stock market. Uh, it's certainly going to be more volatile than real estate will be. Uh, certainly um, more more challenging in some ways. Uh, you know, if you're going to go the real estate route, which certainly isn't a bad way to go, uh, depends on your risk tolerance, how much you want to be a landlord, uh, etc. Make sure you're focusing on cash flows. Uh, cash flows are the by far the most important aspect of real estate investing. Uh, certainly, cap, capital appreciation, appreciation of those assets is good, but uh, it's not what you should be focusing on. And then when it comes to investing in the equity markets, focus on strong companies that have long-term profitability uh, records, track records, and strong balance sheets and leadership. I think those are the top three. Good leadership, uh, strong long-term track record, uh, and in good financial situation today. And I think if you focus on those companies, diversify well, uh, make smart decisions, and like I said, the top, continuing to save, I think you'll be in good shape. Now, you work hard every week. Uh, if you are married, your spouse may also be working a full-time job. And in spite of this, even with two incomes, many people accumulate debt. And, and having uh, debt-paying interest on your debt robs you of money you could save for retirement. And it's understandable. You know, young married couples, many times, they might be recently out of school. They have stu student debt, uh, for example. The cost of purchasing, this a home, purchasing a home is very uh, high these days. You have a couple cars, impulse buys, etc. It can be difficult. So what can you do about accumulated debt? Now, if your end game is financial independence, you need to start now, start today, reducing that number. And we came across a story published by usatoday.com that actually lays out five major steps to take in order to cut your debt. And before I get to that list, remember the one major way to reduce debt is to slash your spending, especially unnecessary spending. For example, 
do you need two cars? Can you one of you uh, take public transportation? Is that possible? Do you need to go to Starbucks every morning? Right? There's little things that you can do, and if you do the, if you if you correct those habits consistently, that can lead to not only thousands of dollars a year saved, but thousands of dollars less in debt that is accruing interest on an annual basis. So what? So if you want to bring down debt, here's what you can do. One is track where the money goes. Like I said, pay attention to those little uh, spending habits. Number two, draw up a budget. Write it out. And you'd be amazed how many things will happen for you if you just write them down. And you put them on paper. And a budget is one of those things. An attack from both sides. So not only exp slashing expenses, but also maybe a side job. Figuring out ways where you can just garner just a little bit more money. Because remember, if you're living now and you're being able to pay your bills, every additional dollar that you're making goes towards either debt reduction or savings. Okay, so look for those as well. Immerse yourself in learning, learning about money. You certainly do that here with uh, Invest Talk, and whether you're listening on podcasts or radio, read books. And that, a lot of that time, a lot of times, that would just get you inspired to do it and uh, keep the mentality top of mind. You know, when you stop thinking or listening uh, about a certain subject, you tend to forget about it and ignore it, and it's not a high priority for you. And if you, you know, stand focus on maybe more entertaining aspects, whether that's sports or maybe a, another hobby that you might have, you tend to think less about the important things like putting your family in good financial position. And then lastly, have an emergency fund. So if you work on building that, uh, a lot of times, you know, people will get to that flat line where they maybe they pay off their debt and they're debt free and they feel more comfortable, right? They feel like they don't have that burden of debt on their on their shoulders. And then they spend a little bit more and they're not building that emergency savings and what happens is car breaks down or you have a dental bill or a healthcare bill that you really need to pay and you just you add a little debt to that and that can 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 uh, add up. So if you can build, you know, get out of debt and then add another cushion of a savings uh, account an emergency savings fund that will go a long way to keep you out of debt as well. So I hope I hope that it helped any of you give you a sense of priority on how to keep your financial house in order. Now you can get in touch with us through investtalk.com right now, but now I invite your financial and investing questions on our anytime listener line. Once again that is 888-99 chart now, what is our featured talking point today? Well, it's as states battle for business, recruitment incentives are the newest weapon. And skilled workers are already in short supply, and low unemployment rates across the country are making the situation worse. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. What that means, you know, that seems just kind of like a, a broad news, question, uh, news uh, piece, but it really speaks to the state of our economy which certainly is uh, 
you know, relatively healthy, especially uh, if you compare it to the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so since the financial crisis, we're in one of the lowest uh, in employment picture in a long time. But that does eventually feed into other aspects of the economy, like inflation. And I'm going to talk about that uh, coming up. But also some other things that are on my mind as well. We have earnings season kicking into high gear relatively soon. Uh, I'm going to talk about whether or not that earnings season results are going to be able to push push the indexes to new highs. And then we're going to talk about Netflix. Netflix was slammed after hours after its earnings release, so kind of in conjunction with that other uh, topic I want to discuss, but a little bit more specific. And I'm going to, I want to talk about how it's a good example of growth stocks in general. What happens when you invest in growth stocks? The positives and the negatives, and we're going to talk about that as well. And then lastly, MoviePass. Some people might have heard about MoviePass and their business model. Just the short answer is you pay a certain amount per month and you get unlimited movies to watch. I'm not talking about Netflix. I'm talking about movie theater passes. So we're going to talk about that and uh, what that also says about our market today as well as business models, how sustainable business models are built. Now let's go to, go to another caller who took time to leave their question on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Dave from Duluth, Minnesota. I am interested in buying a position in the company ING. I've been looking at it for a while. Is it a value investment or is it not? Thank you very much. All right, ING. This is, uh, let's see, I'm bringing up the, uh, bringing up the chart here. Uh, if you're watching on our YouTube live stream, you'll see the list of uh, fundamentals that I have here on uh, MarketSmith. And ING Group, uh, most people know where they are, but they're an they're a insurance company. They're very diversified. They're out of the Netherlands, so they're a Dutch. They offer life insurance, non-life insurance, bank investment advisory services in 40 countries, a $56 billion market cap. Uh, revenues are growing about 17% year over year. Uh, last quarter, and that's an accelerated uh, um, number from just uh, about a year ago. So things are looking better, uh, but over the long term, they're, at least the 2011, their earnings have been all over the place. You know, going up a, a little bit one year, down a little bit the next year, and just kind of chopping. Uh, still higher, but you know, not exactly a growth company by any means. Uh, yield 6.9%. So I'm not sure if that's what they're looking at, what the caller is looking at. Uh, that's a it's a pretty high yield, uh, and the stock has dropped recently. I think a lot of that has to do with Europe, the strong dollar. You know, this is a a, a European com company. I'm sure, the most of their revenues are derived uh, overseas, and that has pushed uh, a, a lot of the foreign index equity indexes lower. And certainly, foreign investments like this have been uh, seeing some headwinds as well. Now, is it a value investment? That's a great question. Enterprise value to uh, revenues are about eight. That's not certainly uh, that that low. Um, you know, I really don't think it's a value investment. Uh, I, I really don't. I, I don't. You know, insurance companies tend to trade cheaply, and I don't think this is a name that I really love, especially which uh, with a return equity of only 10% or 10, yeah, 10%. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 99 chart.
The amount of financial advice offered by an almost unlimited number of sources can seem overwhelming. But InvestTalk Radio, Podcast, and InvestTalk.com are available 24-7 to give you straightforward and unbiased guidance. And if you're ready for personalized portfolio attention, you can schedule a meeting with Steve or Justin. Start a conversation by going to the Contact Us page at InvestTalk.com. But now, back to your calls, 888-99-CHART. All right, now our main talking point today is about workers and the lack thereof available workers and uh, unemployment rates are certainly near multi-decade lows and that's that's a good thing uh, for our economy in general for Americans uh, in general but there's a recent survey and that finds that 83 percent of CFOs say that their company is having trouble finding workers that fill skilled positions, qualified workers that can fill positions that need skill, right? Uh, and states are going to extremes. They're offering grants and bonuses to recruit workers and reduce that, what are called, skills gap. Uh, and there's, uh, um, there's states like Wisconsin, who has a, a unemployment rate as low as 2.8%, and they're recruiting workers from Chicago, from Chicago, even though uh, you know their unemployment rates are low, and so nationwide we're under four percent unemployment. But you know Vermont is offering ten thousand dollar grants to people willing to move to their state to work re- uh, and work remotely in their current job. Uh, that's something they're doing. Indiana has set up a web portal to attract veterans who are leaving the military. Nebraska. A local chamber chamber of commerce is offering a match employers signing bonuses of up to five thousand dollars. So they're trying to get people to move into the area to support their local businesses, and and that's certainly a good thing. Uh, that competition uh, that will produce better economic results, better uh, uh, re- results for the people in particular states, uh, and reduce the maybe the, the, the overhead uh, when it comes to investing in a business, right? Building out a, a factory, for example, that can be, uh, low unemployment rate can be a problem when you're looking at setting up shop and investing in a particular region if you can't find the right qualified workers. Now, the, what is the downside, however? Well, the downside is inflation. You know, we're at a point clearly where worker inflation or, or, or uh, the, the, the compensation needed to attract workers is going up. And not just to attract them, but to retain them as well. Because guess what? There's recruiters. They're going out to people of all, in all types of companies saying, I'll give you more money. I'll make your life simpler, easier. You can work remotely. You can, you know, you can do things uh, that maybe you can't do at your current job to make your life simpler. And what that means is pressure on margins, pressure on businesses, and pressure on the Fed to continue to raise interest rates. 
clearly we're at an inflection point with our economy, with uh, businesses, where things are tight. And inflation is rising. And in, in, uh, you know, interest rates this low, even though they've gone up, is really not warranted. Uh, and I think you're going to continue to see the Fed tighten rates and you'll see the cost of capital continue to rise. Now, we get a wide, rate of, a wide variety of investing and finance questions on our anytime listener line at 88899 chart. Let's hear from one of those callers now. Hi, this is Steve out of New Jersey. I was wondering, can you tell me the difference between ETF and a mutual fund, and which would be better for an older investor? Thank you. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, ETFs are certainly the, the newer kid on the block. Mutual funds, funds have been around for you know, 30, 40, 50 years, and they've, they certainly grew for a long, long time uh, until ETFs started to take over, I think, in you know, the mid, you know, 2000, around the financial crisis, I guess, time frame, somewhere around then. Uh, obviously, ETFs you can buy and sell throughout the day like a regular stock. Mutual fund you can only buy and sell at the end of the day. Some have some openings in the morning where you can get uh, 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 trades in, uh, but those are, are pretty rare. And it's just the the, the 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 similarities are they're fun they're they're a collection of assets and some invest in bonds some invest in stocks some invest in commodities some invest in uh, derivatives of some kind it could be futures options etc some have a combination of all of those and they're suitable for almost every investor to some degree right. Uh, there's various levels of risk in each of them. ETFs are typically more tax efficient than mutual funds. So that's something to consider. So if you're investing in a taxable account, ETFs are, are, are certainly probably the better choice if you can find what you're looking for. There's a lot more active funds in the mutual fund space, uh, which in times of choppy markets, down markets, certainly much better uh, to be in many active funds. Um, if you're in a tax-deferred account like an IRA, 401k, you know, that tax advantage nature doesn't really matter too much. Uh, so can I tell you which one is, is right for you? Well, I think it all comes down to the strategy that they're deploying, which is, you know, never-ending, really. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, the Amazon threat has pushed FedEx stock down more than 6% in 2008, and yet with an online monster eating the retail world alive, FedEx says it's not worried about Amazon's competition. We'll dig into that tomorrow. But right now, give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues next. First, good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with Steve. Steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors. A diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio. Steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio. He can make suggestions about the sectors of the future. And if you'd like, a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for Invest Talk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one-on-one -on -one conversation with Steve, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast.
Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are dedicated to providing straightforward and unbiased investing management. For listeners, the Invest Talk commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make them better investors. And individuals who choose to become KPP clients enjoy personalized and highly experienced attention for their portfolio. You want to speak with Justin right now? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. This is Alan calling you from San Ramon, California. Really enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for everything that you guys do for all of us investors out there trying to do what we can to uh, make some money in the stock market. I have a question today regarding Starbucks. I see that the stock is getting hit pretty hard, down about 10% today, and I'm just wondering if this was a good buying opportunity given that uh, I believe the company is overall in pretty good shape, just having some issues currently that uh, I think are creating a uh, challenging situation. So appreciate any comments you can give, and I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. All right, he's looking at Starbucks. I don't think uh, anybody needs me to explain what they do. Uh, and they're certainly down from their high made uh, late last year. 52-week high was about $62 a share. Now we close today at about $51 a share, down about 18% from its high. Uh, if you count its 52-week low, 47.37, it was down about 20% at its peak, uh, or its, I guess its bottom, uh, just recently. And uh, the reason is uh, the, the earnings projections going forward were not as uh, rosy as the market had priced in or liked, right? But they're still a $70 billion company, certainly have tremendous reach with about 15,600 stores in the U.S. and 25,000 coffee shops worldwide. Uh, so they're, they have in tremendous distribution, tremendous margins, tremendously profitable return on equities, 53%, yields about 2.8%. Uh, but the big issue, once again, is the, the revenue and earnings growth is starting to slow a little bit. Uh, doesn't mean it's bad. Revenues are still up 14% year over year. Earnings are supposed to grow 17% this year and another 11% next year. Pretty solid. Uh, but it's also going to be a cyclical business. Right? It's also going to be very cyclical. If uh, the economy stumbles, then this is a name that will also stumble uh, as less people will go to Starbucks and uh, overall their growth will be very modest and the price will adjust so. Uh, and that's what you're starting to see. Now, to me, it's a question of time horizon. I love Starbucks uh, from just a, a, use, you know, a user standpoint. I like going to Starbucks. And I love the, the numbers long term, the return on equity, return on a uh, 53% is return on equity trailing 12 months. Uh, it's return on invested capital is 43%. You are going to be hard pressed to find a company in the, in the, uh, in the investment space who is, has a, a number, a profitability number that strong. It's extremely hard. So long, long term, I love a company like Starbucks. Now then, the other question is, do you like it short term? Well, technically, it's certainly down in the dumps, right? You're down 17% from its high in, you know, in less than a year. Uh, and it's in a time when we talked about the economy and unemployment rates are pretty low, and the economy's doing fairly well. And usually, 
and the Fed's tightening. And so we're going to have a recession probably next year, probably later next year by most uh, analysts uh, and economists' projections. And that's starting to be priced into the stock. So in the near term, you know, I don't really like it uh, until it gets to, you know, in the, the low 40s, $40 a share or so. That's when I say, okay, I really like Starbucks here. Uh, if, but, you know, if you're willing to handle that and you're just looking for the, the long term, I could be wrong. The long term could have made a, a nice low just a, a few weeks ago and, you know, you want to buy it now. So if you're looking to step into it long term, you know, a nice 20% discount from its high is good. And then as it, you know, ticks a little bit lower, continue to add to that position. Make sure it's no, no more than 5% of your overall uh, portfolio. But I like the idea of keeping us on your watch list. And it, when it gets to that $40 level, that's when I would be aggressive in picking up a name like Starbucks because I do love it long term. Now let's talk a little bit about the earnings season uh, as we uh, discussed with the uh, Starbucks earnings that came out. You know, we're starting to go into the second quarter earnings season. Right? We're just in the start of the third quarter, and companies are going to quickly here start to really release earnings in earnest. Uh, and Morgan Stanley's lead chief uh, U.S. equity strategist says that they don't think it's a positive catalyst for U.S. equity markets. And the reason is is that expectations are already very high. Uh, Facts set says companies in the S&P 500 are expected to post profit growth of more than 20% and sales growth of 8% in the quarter, both would, which would be a ex sequential acceleration from the first quarter. And what that's saying is expectations now are things need to be showing that are, they are better than the first quarter. And the GDP figures back that up to a degree, say that. Uh, but it's also going against a, a good economy late last year, uh, you know, last year that, you know, is going to be tough competition. You know, everything's about comps, right? If you're going earnings 15% last year and you come out and you're only growing at 12% this year, that's an issue. That's something the market doesn't like to see. They want to see you either have a stable uh, earnings growth or growing from there, right? And expectations are kind of priced to perfection to a degree. And what you're also seeing about 6% of the S&P 500 participants have reported earnings so far. And what you're seeing is if you just match expectations, your stock is falling. Right? If you're projecting just in line with what expectations are going forward, your stock is falling. And that's usually not great inspiration for the bull camp. And what it's saying is that turning somewhat defensive is probably the right thing to do. And you know, Netflix uh, is earnings after hours and their fall uh, down about 17% is just further evidence of that, that the market, and especially Netflix, was priced to perfection. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? Thanks for, take, thanks for taking my call. You no were just talking about uh, mutual funds versus ETFs and the differences and that mm -hmm. ETFs were more tax efficient? S typically, yes. Right. And that includes the fact that um, I imagine that 
ETFs generally do not have this cap yearly capital gains distribution at the end of December, where usually some mutual funds do if they have a uh, if they have um, that's if they, if they make a lot of trades. Yeah, that's exactly what that means. Uh, when there's there's buying and selling within a traditional mutual fund, a lot of times the managers have to sell positions and create capital gains to fund the people taking out money, right? And and over time, they they eventually need to pay that that uh, that tax, and that tax is passed on to shareholders uh, of that particular mutual fund. Now, if you're in a in a 401k or an IRA. It, it doesn't really affect you. It doesn't really hit you. But if you are in a taxable account, certainly that can add a substantial amount potentially to uh, your tax bill. And you have to look at the specific mutual, specific mutual fund. Some have higher tap capital gains exposure than others. Whereas an ETF, they're, it's the way that they're, they're traded. They're basically uh, a, a, a proxy for the positions and they're not actually going out there and buying and selling the underlying positions nearly as often. Well, I was I was I wanted to get a little more specific. Even let's say you have a an, an ETF and a mutual fund that both track the same index. And yep. the index sometimes positions in the index are taken out or put in and therefore force positions to be traded. Something falls out of the Dow mm -hmm. for instance or comes in yep. the Dow. Yep. Uh, when that happens, is it my understanding that the mutual fund actually, if, if they had a, a gain, a capital gains, they actually, you know, they will incur that they have to pass that along. But the the ETF, it's reflected in the price, and they don't they don't they don't have any capital gains distribution. Yes, that's true. Um, uh, there, there's that's true to a degree. It, it doesn't mean that ETFs are without that. They they can still have that. Uh, don't get me wrong. It has more to do with the day-to-day -day in and out of money flow into the ETF, okay, or the mutual fund. Uh, money coming or, or, or indexes changing, uh, and this goes to what I my argument is that indexes are actively managed. Uh, it's just about sure. who's making the decision of what's in an index. Um, but that doesn't mean that an ETF doesn't have to make that trade. They do, and they can still have tax implications. It has more to do, like I said, with the day-to-day -day fund flows of buying and selling that really changes uh, the long-term trajectory of what that capital gains distribution will be. Like I said, not that ETFs are 100% tax efficient, they just tend to be more tax efficient than mutual funds. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot, Justin. No problem. Thanks for the call, Gene. Now, most of you know we encourage your finance and investing questions live each weekday on Invest Talk during the radio program from, our, from 4 to 5 Pacific time. But we also accept your questions around the clock, 24-7. On the same number, 888 chart so don't be afraid to call after hours. We will record your call and then play it back on air later, like you always hear we do, and hopefully we can answer it as thoroughly as we uh, we hope to. Now remember, uh, now remember, you and your friends are free to listen to invest the Invest Talk Show, any Invest Talk Show, anytime you have free. We keep about 100 of the most recent programs archived on our website. You can also go on to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, etc., and get old episodes as well that might interest you and uh, you're in luck I'm here now taking your calls live I want to hear from you at 888-99 chart this is invest talk streamed and broadcast live at 4 p.m. Pacific time each weekday 
and also available 24-7 via archived podcast at investtalk.com. Are you already subscribed to InvestTalk? If not, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And once you and your friends are subscribed, please listen, rate, and review. Your comments allow us to improve InvestTalk programming, and they can also help us understand what you expect to hear or see on radio, podcast, and investtalk.com. So remember, please, SRR, subscribe, rate, and review InvestTalk on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And now, we're taking your financial or investing questions live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Dustin. This is Sebastian. I'm calling you from Palm Beach, Florida. I had a question uh, regarding AT&T. Um, I'm looking at it today at uh, around $32. I think uh, the lowest point today so far has been uh, $31.97. Um, I'm thinking it's a good time to add on more uh, to my portfolio. I already own um, AT&T stock. Just looking at, you know, from the multiple perspective and, you know, fundamentally, the company seems to be, of course, in uh, great shape. And after this Time Warner deal, I'm thinking that the synergies between the, the deal will actually benefit AT&T in the long run a lot. So I just kind of wanted your perspective on what you think of the whole deal uh, going into the future and what this really does for competition as far as AT&T goes. Thank you. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I, we actually recently bought AT&T for oh, almost uh, all of our uh, equity holding uh, programs for clients uh, in the 32 and change range. I, I don't know the exact number, but uh, today it closed at 31.90. Yields about 6.3%. And uh, we like it for the same reason that you talked about. Uh, the, the acquisition of Time, of Time Warner uh, will bring in uh, HBO. And that, to me, is a big reason why I like it. Uh, I think that uh, anytime you see a company like Netflix have success, uh, even though they, they certainly have maybe not have financial uh, success in, in the way that uh, their stock price uh, reflects, uh, but they certainly are finding success with their stock, uh, success with people who use Netflix. So that's certainly the way to go. And when I think of the marketplace, you're going to find competition eventually. Right? Look at car companies and Tesla. If the car companies saw Tesla, maybe not, once again, not having financial success, but at least selling uh, many cars and getting uh, recognition within the industry. Uh, there's always going to be other companies like that that come in and see that success or perceive success and copy it. And I think AT&T with the Time Warner acquisition is prime with HBO to be the next Netflix. They already have HBO Go. I use HBO Go a lot more than I use Netflix. The content is just far better, far superior, uh, and I just like it a lot more. Um, and I think they're the ones that are going to really try to, you know, with this acquisition, unlock that potential. And then you go to, to me, the, the net neutrality, which I disagree with, but it's going to be uh, a benefit to companies like AT&T, Verizon, the, 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 the pipes, right? They're the ones that have the pipes that uh, bring data to cell phones and tablets and eventually home. I've, I've heard many things about 5G being even faster than fiber optic uh, cable. Uh, now let's will that happen? Will that you know get to full fruition? Uh, certainly, if it does, AT and T, the Verizon's of the world, will be in the forefront of that. Uh, so we really like the company down here. Uh, we like the acquisition, even though it adds a lot of debt. 
So I'm a fan of AT&T. Now, well, our Monday show is almost over, but don't give up yet. Still got 10 minutes left in the program, so let's talk about how to grow your money. What is on your mind? If you're going to call in, you got to do it now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, the Amazon threat has pushed FedEx stock down more than 6% in 2018. And yet, with an online monster eating the retail world alive, FedEx says it's not worried about Amazon competition. That's tomorrow. But now, Justin's here, and he's ready and waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Bob. I'm calling with a couple of questions. I just turned 70 and I'm building a bond ladder to replace my previous holdings and uh, funds, bonds and stocks. A couple of weeks ago, Steve mentioned that we should only be using uh, high quality bonds, but didn't really define that. So what is a high quality bond? Is it anything not rated BB or lower? Do you have other criteria? I've been buying bonds rated uh, A minus or A3. And I also bought some BBB and BBB plus bonds from big, huge corporations like AT&T. I'd like to review the past actions by the rating companies to avoid negative trends. You think I'm being too cautious or not? I'm just curious what I, if this seems reasonable. Also, um, Justin recently said he believes the next major downturn will be caused by corporate bonds, but he stopped there. Is the reference to junk bonds or a big increase in BBB bonds sold when the rates were so depressed? You know, how does this potentially impact somebody like me? Are my bonds going to be high quality enough to avoid the, whatever this crisis is? Or is it really only going to impact people with funds or low-quality bonds? If you can just explain the thought a little more, I'd really appreciate it. The radio shows on a time that doesn't really convenient for me, but I never miss the podcast. I sometimes get a few days behind, but I download it every day and I never miss one. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to your answers. Thank you. Thanks for the call, uh, and I will clarify. I do think that the next downturn uh, in the, the credit cycle will emanate from the corporate bond sector because of the leverage there. Uh, I do think it will be concentrated in the high-yield bond market because there's so much debt there and there's so many what I call zombie companies that really shouldn't exist without the existence of such cheap money by the Fed uh, that have stayed in business and be able to finance themselves even though they burn cash and they lose a, lose a lot of money on a regular basis. <clears throat> Tesla. Uh, and so uh, that is, that's just, uh, that, that's, that's my feeling. Um, now, what is a high-quality bond? You know, investment grade is anything triple B or better. Uh, I could argue that B, double B plus, double B could still qualify as quality. But uh, when you get into that, you know, that, that would I call high junk, high, yeah, high junk status would be double B, uh, double B plus, things like that. Once you start getting into B rated securities, that that starts to almost all of those are are somewhat uh, precarious. So that's certainly subject to interpretation. Uh, now, does that mean that anything that's not investment grade is going to be impaired or go under during the next downturn? No. Uh, certainly, there'll be many double B and double B plus bonds that 
you know, their companies make it through and their business models are, are fine. Uh, and there, uh, frankly, I bet you there are some triple Bs or even investment and, and, and even higher investment grade bonds that get into trouble during the next downturn. So I hope that clarifies it a little bit more. Uh, it just depends there about a ma matter of what type of risks you want to take. Uh, and, you know, the, the credit rating rate rates are not exactly gospel. Uh, so you have to understand the business, understand the trends, understand whether this is a company that is very cyclical or not, uh, and whether the trends in the industry are for them or against them. Uh, and so those are things to consider. Now, lastly, I want to talk a little bit about that and uh, a good segue into MoviePass. Uh, maybe a lot of people have heard of uh, MoviePass. This is a service. It's $10 a month, or $9.95, I think. And you can watch up to one movie a day at the, the local theaters. And this is a, a company that was bought by Helios and Matheson Analytics, a data analytic company. And at the time, they had 20,000 subscribers when it was acquired. And it ballooned to 3 million subscribers in June. And this is a good example of they're growing. It's great. But this is a stock that is on the brink of bankruptcy. Even if their, uh, even if their, you know, revenues are going up dramatically, their earnings are going down, or their losses are accelerating to a dramatic degree. Uh, they're going to lose. They lost seventeen dollars there last year. Going to lose three fifty. They're on the brink of bankruptcy. And this just goes to show, sales are not everything. Profits are. Cash flows are. Don't listen to the hype of, oh, we're just growing our subscriber base and losing money uh, for the sake of growth. You have to make money, especially in today's market. That's it for today. Another Invest Talk radio show with your questions driving the discussion. Today's program will be soon posted to our podcast player, library at investtalk.com. Thank you for listening, and please come back tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis & Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis & Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.